0: Thanks for joining us again, and let's get to the service. We're working through a series at the moment called Refresh, looking at some of the core and foundational ideas that we experience as followers of Jesus, things that you and I, they're just foundational, and so through, last week I talked about our our vision as a church, which is to see lives transformed with the good news of Jesus. This week I'm looking at the idea of baptism. What does that mean? How does it fit into our life? What do we believe about it? What do we practice here as a church? Because I believe getting this right is, is such an important part of our uh, faith. And then next week, I think we're talking life groups. Angus is going to come and bring the word about that. Uh, and then Living Water is going to be part of our fourth week, which is talking about our spiritual disciplines. What are the things that we do practically as a part of our life, which actually help us and foster our relationship with Jesus? And so, today, I do want to talk about this idea of baptism. And the thing that I want to sort of explore as we get underway with this is that baptism is a bit of a tricky topic for many people. And I know that for some of you gathered here today, and most of us who are joined here online, what I'm going to talk about might press a few buttons for you some press on, perhaps some preconceived ideas that you have about baptism and what it means. Because we all have a framework around baptism. We all have an understanding of what it's for, why it exists. And, and actually, if you're a follower of Jesus, we have an experience, most of us, of baptism in some way. And so my intention today is not to diminish your view in any way. If you come from a different faith tradition, a different denomination is another way to put that. Uh, Christian denominations have a bunch of different beliefs about this and different practices. But my intention today is to share a bit of what I believe Scripture has to say about it, what it means for us as followers of Jesus, and what it is that we do here as a local church. Because within our framework, we're all taught something. You might have been, if you grew up in Sunday school, you were taught in Sunday school what baptism was about. You might have even been baptized through your Sunday school classes. Our family of origin has some expressions of, or understandings of baptism that are usually rub off, rub off on us in some way. Often it's like, if you don't have, if church is not your um, experience lately, often you've got a grandparent who is a, uh, a follower of Jesus and has encouraged perhaps if you've got kids, is encouraged your kids to be baptized, but you're not really sure what all of that is about. And that probably gathers this sort of third group of people. So for many of us, it's we were taught it at Sunday school. For others of us, it comes from our family of origin historically, and we don't really have any experience of it up till now. But thirdly, there's, the, there's those of us who've got this cobbled together understanding of baptism. It's, it's this sort of strange thing we don't quite know what to do with it we sort of understand that it's important but we don't really understand how why or why it's important how we go about doing it and why it's significant and I'd actually kind of the word I would use to describe this worldview is is superstition and that might sound like a strange word but let me describe it for you superstition is something that you believe and you're not really sure what that belief truly means or how that belief system helps, but you do it anyway. Those of us, that if you, if you might have heard over the years, you know, don't, don't walk under a ladder. Why? Is there a good? Is there a good reason? Are you too tall? Is the ladder not secured? why don't you walk under a ladder? Oh, it's bad luck. Well, why? And there's no logical reason, but some people just do it anyway. Why? Because that's that's just what they have been told is the right thing to do. And if for some people, baptism falls into this category, that you're not quite sure what it means, you're not really sure how it helps, but your grandmother says that it matters, and so it can't hurt to get your kids done, would be the way that I would describe it. And I want to acknowledge up front the discomfort for many of you about this, because one of the key challenges we encounter when we talk about baptism And I'll say this sensitively, and this is true of probably a bunch of different things, but particularly baptism, when we talk about it, the challenge we encounter is that everyone thinks they're right. Everyone. Because we're formed in certain ways to believe certain things, and then we think we're right. And if we've gone to any effort to develop an informed opinion, or we come from a faith denomination where we're taught all these things, then we think we are right. So please hear me that the different churches, different traditions, different denominations have different beliefs. And if I were to summarise it broadly, this is not quite fair, but this is sort of to help us keep moving. A lot of Protestant denominations believe that baptism is the next step after declaration of faith in Jesus. That's what they mostly believe. But the Catholic tradition sees that baptism as a sacrament is is a means of salvation which is why the Catholic Church baptizes infants. They call it christening, and it happens very close to their birth as a part of uh, the salvation that is uh, given to them. And so my intent today is not to prove or to disprove any perspectives around baptism or your belief systems around it. What I want to do is to affirm a simple truth, and that is that baptism is a central element of our faith as followers of Jesus. And to show you what the New Testament teaches about what it actually means, and then to share a little bit of our belief and understanding here as a church at Gawley Uniting. So a quick word on my agenda, because you know I've got one, I'll be honest right up front. I hope that when we're done in sort of twenty twenty five minutes time, I hope that when I'm finished talking, if you're a follower of Jesus and you haven't been baptized, I hope that you will get baptized whether it's here or whether it's whatever local context that you find yourself in, a local church, whatever, I invite you, I encourage you, and I hope that you will be inspired to be baptized. And if you're not sure if you have been baptized or not, then I encourage you to explore. But then secondly, if you're not a follower of Jesus, I hope that by the time we've finished our time together, that you'll understand a bit about why this is so significant. And hopefully, when I believe that you... (laughs) Come to trust Jesus for yourself. That you'll be excited about taking this next step and understand how significant it is to us. So it's also worth mentioning that within Scripture, there's actually a bunch of different types of baptism that are mentioned. There's a baptism of the dead mentioned by the Apostle Paul. There's a baptism of fire mentioned by John the Baptist. And there's a baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I don't want to look at any of those in detail today. It's all intertwined, it all links together. It's a wondrous mystery in a lot of ways. But we just do not have time for me to give you a comprehensive theology of all the different aspects of baptism. So we might talk about those another day. I might do a series around it. Who knows? We'll wait and see. So if not if we're not covering all of that, then where do we begin? We begin quite simply with why. Why do we baptize? Because we've got to start with the why. The why behind baptism is simple. We baptize people because Jesus asked us to. In fact, we could go so far as to say Jesus commanded us to. In Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, Jesus commissions his disciples to go into the world. And he says, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given unto me. And so go, therefore and baptize all nations. Go into the nation to baptize them in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And I'll be with you always until the very end of the age. Jesus' commandment to his disciples as he left this earth was to go into the world and baptize people in his name, in the name of the Holy Spirit and in the name of the Father. Trinitarian formula of baptism. So so we baptize people really simply because Jesus asked us to. But then comes the question, what, is, what does baptism actually mean? Well baptism is not actually an English word. It's a word that was is has been um uh what's it's been not translated, but it's almost transliterated, I think is the word, uh, from the ancient Greek language into English. It comes from the word baptizo, baptism, baptizo, which simply means to immerse in water. And it was broadly used, it was a broadly used Greek term. They used it everywhere. You, They, they used it to describe like a sinking ship it was baptizoed under the water, and they described it in their recipe to make pickles. So you baptizo. The, um, the, the vegetables in boiling water and then you baptizo them in, uh, in vinegar and then when they die, they go to heaven. No, of course not. This idea of baptizo was much broader than just the Christian understanding but it finds meaning for us and there's a, there's some, a complex sort of literary understanding of this but I'll summarized, summarize it to say that the term baptizo, baptism, finds meaning for us in describing the ceremonial act of immersing people underwater as it's connected to the Christian faith. And it was, a pra- it was practiced by the New Testament church. It was commanded by Jesus. And so then, what does baptism mean? Baptism is quite simply a public declaration of identifying with the authority and teachings of Jesus Christ. If you're you're going to be baptized, the act of baptism is a public declaration of alignment with the teachings and authority of Jesus over your life. It symbolically identifies a follower of Jesus with the gospel work of Jesus. He died, he was buried, and he was raised to new life. That's what we celebrate, what we remember at Easter, It's what we remember through Holy Communion, our other sacrament. And so, in the same way for us as followers of Jesus, when we are taken beneath the waters, we symbolically die to our sin and the and the control that it has over our life, and we're buried in the water from our old ways of thinking, our old ways of living, our old worldviews, our old allegiances, and then we are raised. Literally, out of the water. In the same way Jesus was raised to new life from the tomb, we are raised to new life in Him, out of the water. We we read about that in Romans 6, verse 4. And so then, what is actually happening then in this idea of baptism? If that's what we do, people go under the water, they come out again. If that's what we do, and if it's a public declaration of faith, then what's actually happening in that moment? Well, we understand that that baptism is a sacrament. It's one of the two that we have in in our tradition of the church. And a sacrament is simply an outward sign of an inward grace, an outward sign of an inward gift, an inward grace. But what does a sign do? We see signs everywhere around us. There's signs all through this place. You've probably got signs at, at your home somewhere. What does a sign do A sign points to something, doesn't it? The sign points to the bend coming in the highway, just beyond where where you can see. The sign is not the bend in the highway, is it? No, the sign points to the bend in the highway. The toilet sign points to the toilets. Thank you. You do not go to the toilet at the toilet sign. That gets you in a lot of trouble in most places. The sign it's, is the thing that points to that which is reality. And so for us, baptism is a sign that points to an extraordinary grace that is happening within us, that has happened within us. <laughs> baptism itself is not, we believe, a saving act. Baptism is not a prerequisite for salvation nor are we saved through the act of baptism. And the reason that, that I think about this, I think about this, and the reason we believe this is because there's actually nowhere in Scripture that it, that it talks about being saved through baptism. When we think about the robber that was on the cross next to Jesus, he's, all three are hanging there, two criminals and Jesus hanging on the cross, and one of the run of the one of the criminals is spitting vitriol at Jesus you know like you saved heaps of other people just hop down save yourself and while you're at it Jesus save us too but then the other criminal turns to Jesus and says look i believe in who you are and Jesus response to him is all right truly i tell you that today you'll be with me in paradise You will be with me in paradise. In that moment of faith and trust, that that robber, that criminal becomes a follower of Jesus, of who Jesus really is. And Jesus says, okay, you're saved by that faith. And so he was never baptized. He couldn't do anything right in his life he was going to be dead in about 20 minutes and so he couldn't like be nicer to his wife he couldn't give to the church he couldn't even do another good act in his life to he couldn't certainly couldn't be baptized so there was nothing he could do to earn his salvation and so instead we discover the truth that salvation is not about what we do it's about our belief and our relationship and our connection in our heart to Christ. In Scripture, right through Romans, we we also read about this reality that we are saved by grace through faith. That's what we believe. We believe we can't earn our salvation at all. We just receive it through faith. That's what Jesus taught. That's what the Apostle Paul theologically explained And so if we were to add baptism onto that and say, you are saved by grace through faith plus baptism, then hang on a second. There's something we need to do to be saved. Suddenly it becomes a works-based salvation. We don't believe that. We believe that we're saved purely through Jesus' act, that was all that was enough. And if we add anything to it, we actually imply that Jesus' sacrifice was insufficient. It it nearly got us there, but didn't quite get us over the line. So we don't add anything. We are saved by grace through faith plus nothing. Baptism, friends, is proof of. Our trust in Jesus, proof of our salvation, it is not. The act of salvation itself. And so then the question becomes, who can be baptized? This is an interesting and really a highly contested question. There is absolute consensus about the centrality of baptism to the Christian faith. Every Christian denomination believes this. That that baptism is central to the Christian faith. Jesus talked about it, so we do it. But after that, it gets super shaky in terms of different traditions, and there's some really complex explanations for how these traditions formed and the belief systems around them. Some traditions determine that baptism can only come after a declaration of faith. Now, it's now many, many Protestant denominations, this is what they practice and believe, that you can only be baptized once you declare faith in Jesus publicly, once you have the ability to... To be old, once, so the implication is you need to be old enough to be able to make an informed decision about a declaration of faith. But the problem becomes there's nowhere in Scripture that talks about that. Not really. And there's no, there's no, like, there's no age that determines how it is that God or why it is that we might understand the truth of God in our hearts in some way. We don't understand what a baby's thinking. We don't know when it is that a, a child has an informed enough understanding of Jesus to say, look, I trust you and follow you. I don't understand it all, but I follow you anyway. We don't, un, we don't have a line for that. And so we don't, we don't go that direction as a church because how old is it? Is it two? Is it three? Is it four? Is it 12? Is it after high school? Is it only after 18 years of age? I don't believe that any of that is helpful for us. But that's what a lot of traditions do the catholic tradition has infant baptism and i said that's it's a christening it's one of the seven sacraments and it's a naming event it's but it's also a salvation event so that becomes what if i've said what we don't believe what do we believe as a church it's important for me to say that well in the uniting church we have what they call the basis of union and it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a document that outlines our, th- our broad theological understanding, the ways that we're structured as a church as well. And it talks about our sacraments. It talks about baptism in there. And that we baptize anyone who publicly confesses the Christian faith. And we also baptize children that are presented for baptism and for whose instruction and nourishment in the faith the church takes responsibility. What does that mean? Well, I spent, I've been an ordained minister for nearly five years and spent I've spent my entire life in the church seeing, it, seeing this done and understanding it in all sorts of different ways, but it's only been in the last couple of years that this has really crystallized for me. In the experience of being a minister in a local congregation and it take, having the responsibility of administering this sacrament to people and to families and watching the community wrestle with it, and how do we support families. And having talked about it with our church council, this is where we land with this. That we will willingly, based on our belief, we will willingly and joyfully baptize anybody that declares Jesus as their Lord and Savior. That's simple. And I don't care how old they are, if they are old enough to understand who Jesus is, and old enough to understand that trusting Him is the way to go in life, then I'll baptize them as someone who understands the faith. Jesus said, whoever receives it like a child will be received. So that's got to be in there. But then secondly, I will willingly and joyfully baptize any child from within our church community, whose parents or guardians, whoever's responsible for them in this church and whoever's responsible for them in life. If they're followers of Jesus, I will baptize their child into the faith. Why? Because, one, I believe baptism is primarily, requires a declaration of faith. But I also know that there's several occasions in Scripture that it describes entire households being baptized in response to a person's declaration of faith. We read about it with the jailer. I think it's in Philippi. And Paul and Silas are in the, in the prison singing praises to God and, and, the, and the prison doors break open and, and, and the, the Roman officer that's there guarding them, he thinks they've all escaped and so he's about to kill himself and Paul and Silas are there and they say, no, 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 we're still here. And he's like, how is that possible? Everyone else would have escaped but they cared enough about him. And in response to that, he comes to faith in Jesus for himself. And he and his household are baptized in response. So there's something about his faith connected to that, the faith of his household in some mysterious form. And so in my understanding of that then is that committed Christian parents, and this is my experience, so as my wife Eloise and I, we are followers of Jesus, hope that's obvious. But as committed parents for our two daughters, we will teach them, and we will model, and we will encourage the exploration of the Christian faith as they grow up in their life. We teach about about it now, and we will teach about it because it's our responsibility as parents, and because we are followers of Jesus, we're not just going to give them a book of world religions and say pick one. No, of course not. We're going to we're going to teach them what we believe to be true. And so, in a sense, when we baptise children into that context of a committed parents that are committed to following Jesus and committed to bringing up their children to follow Jesus. When we baptize our children, we declare our faith, and we declare their faith on their behalf. Why? Because we intend to teach them what they believe as they grow up in life. And of course, they have the opportunity to believe for themselves later on in life, like we have the cho- always got the choice. You and I could always step away from faith if we wanted to. We can, we can choose to believe something different about anything. But at some point, we are formed in our beliefs, consciously or unconsciously. But that belief system, given down by parents and shaped in the loving community of the church, is what we baptize that child into. And I know historically, within the context of even this church, we've baptized children presented from outside our church. And I've decided, quite seriously, I'm not going to do that anymore. It was something we did, or something we inherited from ages past, but I'm not going to do that anymore. Because I believe it's inconsistent. Having looked deeply at this context of baptism for myself, I just don't believe... It's consistent with what we believe are the core elements of the Christian faith as it pertains to baptism. Not just the declaration of faith, but a demonstrated understanding of the value Jesus placed on Christian community. It's it's those two things. Like, you can stand up here and declare Christian faith. That's fine. But if you're not part of our Christian community, that's also, Jesus talked about that too. That's right through Scripture. So if you don't value that, then I can't in good conscience, baptize you into this community because part of baptism is we declare our commitment to you to support you in your journey of faith. And we can't make that promise if we don't know who you are and are not in community with you. So I know that's going to press on a few buttons. I know that's going to be a bit weird for some people, but that's where it's at. And the other part of this is multiple baptisms. Paul declares that we have one faith and one baptism. And it means we actually only get baptized once. Through baptism, we are adopted into the body of Christ, the church. And so once you're adopted in, you can't be adopted in again. If I adopt someone into my family and they get the surname Shira, which is ours, I can't adopt them in again. Once they're in, they're in. Like, that's it. And so for many people, they've already been baptized maybe as a child or whatever, and we're not really sure if they have or haven't been baptised, they don't remember, their past is complicated. We believe there is only one baptism, but if baptism is a public declaration of faith, then I believe there is incredible scope to experience and find what we call a reaffirmation of your baptism. If you are sold out to following Jesus, if the first time you were baptised in your life you're either a child or you did it because all the other, like, teenage kids were getting it done and we don't really understand it, you do not really that committed to it, but now you are sold out to Jesus and you want to declare that publicly, I will absolutely reaffirm your baptism because it's a celebration of faith. How you going? We keep getting through? So I've got a couple more questions to answer and then we'll wrap up. The question I want to answer is, when do we baptize? Well, my hope is that we baptize as often as the opportunity arises. When Philip baptized the Ethiopian on their their, their journey, Ethiopian eunuch professed faith and and he said, well, so what do I do? And they said, Philip says, okay, let's let's baptize you. So they do it right there in the water, right where they were. So it happens as soon as possible. And so when someone declares faith, We'll baptise them as soon as we can. And so for us as a church, we're planning to have dedicated times throughout the year for people to be baptised. Hopefully monthly, but we'll see how we go with that. So then how do we baptise? I believe the form isn't as significant as the why and the what. But ideally, I'm all for full immersion baptism if we've got the water to be able to do it. We have a baptismal, that we do plan to use, it's, it's new, we haven't used it before. And so we plan to, people that declare faith and want to be baptized, we're going to fully immerse you in water. And it's probably going to be here, unless the old floorboards here can't take the weight of the baptism water, and then we might have to do it outside. We'll wait and see, hold the phone on that one. But we plan to. But there's also the provision for sprinkling of water. You know, if, it, it's, if, it's, if it's not practical, well, we're not going to do a whole, you know, thousand litres baptismal f- to baptise an infant. Instead, we use a small amount of water. And so it's not about the form, it's about the practice. It's about the why and the what. But I have seen the meme going around the place, and it was probably early on in the pandemic, there was a meme going around of a, of a, a priest, I think, or a pastor with a water gun, and it was like, baptism via social distancing, and they had this water gun aimed at a kid, and the parents were holding him up, and it was just like, baptism in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Pew. I draw the line at that. Just not going to do it. I, f- I, can th- I think there's some different ways. So I don't, I, don't want to, I don't want us to get hung up on the form of baptism. If it's not practical to get in the water, we won't make you get in the water. Jesus welcomes everybody and meets us where we're at. So I never want the form to be a barrier to the declaration of faith. And so the last question I want to answer is, who does the baptizing? Well, our church tradition has two sacraments, and the church as a whole gives authority to those it deems understand its significance to teach it and oversee baptism. Part of that training is ordination, so I'm an ordained minister. My, My full title is a minister of the word and sacraments, which means I'm one of those people understand baptism, and I baptize people. But it also has the ability to commission other people to do it. If there's no ministers around, if we we live in an era where trained clergy, there's less of us uh, across the, the breadth of our state, and so there's provision for people that are not ordained as part of the body of Christ, as believers that understand the significance of baptism, to just do it on the church's behalf, because it's really the church that baptizes into the faith, it's not my baptism, you're not being baptised into what I believe, you're being baptised into Jesus, and so that's who can do it, me, a minister, pastor, or anyone that the church believes can do it in my stead. Right, that's the big questions of baptism, I hope you learned something, it's not the most interesting sermon I've written so far, but I feel like this is important, this stuff's important to understand and get right. There's so much more that I could say about this theology of baptism and the symbolism and about the way that it ties into uh, the Jewish baptism in the Old Testament and about Moses and the whole bunch of other stuff I can tie into this, but we'll probably explore that another time. But I hope that through sharing this stuff that I've answered some questions that you have and maybe some questions you didn't even know you had about what baptism means. And if you've got more questions, I invite you to, like, jump, jump in the chat, send us a message, send us an email. If you don't want it to be public, you can PM us through our Facebook page or you can send an email to the office. You can call our new phone number, send a text to them, whatever, something like that. But I'm sure, even if there's, I'm sure there's some questions that I, I'm sure I haven't answered, and I'm sure there's probably an email or two waiting for me from people that disagree with what I've said, and that's cool. Can't wait for those tomorrow. But my hope and my prayer is that in all of this, that you would hear how special and how wonderful baptism is. It's mysterious, because we actually don't truly understand it. In its breadth, like all the parts, like all the elements of Christian faith and of God, there's mystery to it, and there ought be. We can't understand it all, because we're not God. The baptism is deeply personal, in that you are symbolically dying yourself and experiencing new life with Jesus. I hope that you hear how incredibly significant baptism is to the community as well. It's not just about you and God, although it is. It's about you and, and God and us. It's about us and God. And some of the most inspiring moments I've experienced in church When I'm present, when someone stands up here and declares what they believe about Jesus and why, shares a bit of their story, it's amazing because there's parts of it that resonate. I'm like, hey, I felt that too. Hey, that's cool. I'd never thought about that. Or how, how incredible is God's grace that he brought you to himself despite all the challenges you've experienced. That stuff's inspiring. And so... It's why we do it as a part of a community, because we need that inspiration and encouragement to build us up in the faith. So to get back to my personal agenda for today as I finish, if you're not a follower of Jesus, this has probably been a lot, but I invite you to consider. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I would invite you to consider everything that I've talked about, about all that it means. Because I don't believe that you've joined us by accident. I don't believe you're still listening or watching by accident. I believe that you're here because God's doing something in you. has probably has been for a while. And this could be that moment where you understand clearly for the first time what Jesus has done for you and why it matters so much. And what, what, what a wonderful gift it is, that it's the best of anything we can find in this life. That Jesus gave his life for you to conquer your sin. And that by dying for you, he covered the gap of separation between you and God. That he was raised to life for you. So that you can find life, new life in his name. If that truth is new for you, if that's something you want to, Experience this free gift of grace that you cannot earn, I invite you to explore it today. I invite you to to reach out, send us a message, however it is, talk to someone you know that's a follower of Jesus, talk with them about it, talk to me, I don't care, I want to hear about it, I want to celebrate with you that you want to put your faith in Jesus for the first time because today could be that day for you. But if you are a follower of Jesus, which is true of everyone gathered here and Many of you joining online as well. If you're a follower of Jesus, I want you to be baptized. If you haven't been, if you're not sure, if you were baptized as a child, but your faith has taken on significance for you now, I want you to be baptized or to reaffirm that baptism publicly. Simple as that. I've told you why. And like I said, you can speak to me personally about it. You can speak to our elders, message our Facebook page, whatever. Whatever. Or you can go to a, a form we've set up online, which is baptism.golauniting.org.au. Go there, fill that out, and I will give you a call and talk about what all of this means for you. That'll get things rolling. So baptism, it's huge. It's significant, and it matters. We want to celebrate it with you. We want to celebrate what God is doing and continues to do in and through you. Let's pray together, church. Why don't you come up, Ben? And... Loving God, we thank you for this gift of baptism. Lord, we don't really understand all of it. There's so much more that we could know about it. But Lord, we trust mysteries in your hands. We trust that we understand all that we need to know. We trust in you as our center, as our Lord, and as our Savior. And from that trust, from that relationship, everything else comes. So Lord, we lift to you those that have chosen to put faith in you today. Lord, give them the courage to reach out and talk with someone about that. Lord, we thank you that you have brought them to that place of placing trust in you. And Lord, would you give us as followers of Jesus the courage to go public with our faith? If we've already been baptized, if we're already good with that, Lord, give us the courage to find other ways to declare the truth of our, of our faith with the world around us, in our, in our community, through serving, through getting involved, through encouraging, whatever that looks like. Lord, give us the courage to share the faith That you have placed within each of us because it's worth celebrating. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.